0: Thank you for joining us for episode one of The Herald. This is Brendan Flanagan. Many of you are probably tuning in because you've been listening to our So What podcast. This podcast was designed to launch our website at brendanflanagan.com and was billed as asking the questions normally withheld from polite company. And that's what we do and continue to do in that podcast. We ask topical questions and search through the scriptures to provide systematic, biblically sound answers. The Herald's going to be a little different. The Herald is going to use an expositional technique, which is expounded upon at our website at brendanflanagan.com, specifically the Start Here page. In short, this is cutting the Scripture straight. We're not looking to present my point of view, or really to figure out what you think about the Scriptures. We're desiring to understand what the writers, influenced by the Holy Spirit, wanted us to know. And so that's what we're going to do as we look at the Gospel of John. What does John want us to know? What is he trying to tell us? What is ultimately the message of God that he wishes to portray under the influence, power, direction, and leadership of the Holy Spirit? And that's my solemn promise. So thanks for joining us as we begin to dig in to the Gospel of John. Welcome to the Herald, your weekly verse-by-verse exposition of the Scriptures. This is Brendan Flanagan, and today we we'll are reading from John chapter 20, verses 30-31. through 31. Therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. This gospel is written by the disciple whom Jesus loved. John. It's written in 90 AD in Ephesus, before John's exile to the island of Patmos, where he wrote his letters in the book of Revelation. This gospel is coming approximately 30 to 40 years after the first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. These gospels are synaptic or narrative gospels. They tell the life, times, word, and working of Jesus Christ. They direct the reader to understand who Jesus Christ is as man and God, and they're directed to different audiences as well. John's gospel has a unique flavor in the fact that it's not the complete story of Jesus. This is what John himself says in these very verses. John made a selection of signs, eight signs. He didn't record all the miraculous workings of Jesus, all of his words or all of his works. No, he made a selection of signs, and that's what we see in verse 30. There's many signs that Jesus did, and John actually says in chapter 21, verse 25, even all the books of the world cannot contain everything that Jesus did. So he made a selection of signs, not miracles, not the wonders of Jesus Christ, but signs. And this sign, this word sign, has a unique meaning. It's significance. These signs have a significance for the reader and a significance for John. They're meant to point to Jesus Christ and show that he is the Son of God. That's the significance of these signs. That's the reason they're chosen. They're chosen to bring the reader to faith, to bring the reader to belief. And that's what we see in verse 31. He writes for two purposes. He writes so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. This is a mental acknowledgement, a comprehension of who Jesus is. He fulfills the Old Testament. He fulfills the prophets. He is the Son of God, the Redeemer of Jew and Gentile. This is an understanding of who Christ is, why he lived, and that's what the miracles, that's what the signs are supposed to bring us to, a realization of who Christ is. You could say this is an external confession. We now come to acknowledge... That Christ is the Son of God. Certainly powerful, but this is not the end of John's purpose. The end of his purpose is something far greater. The end of his purpose is to bring the reader beyond a external confession into an eternal condition. And that's what we read at the end of verse 31 and that believing you may have life in His name. This is what it means to be a genuine and true abiding Christian in the faith of Jesus Christ. We are brought into the life of God. This is apart from mere confession. Certainly we confess Jesus Christ as Lord with our lips, but we must believe in Him with our heart. And this is what the prophet Jeremiah and Ezekiel write about, where our heart of stone is, is taken out of us, and God gives us a heart of flesh, where God writes his commandments on our very heart. We're given a new nature. Our old self is shed away, and our new self is put on in Jesus Christ. This is the life to which John speaks, and this is the life which John desires the reader to have. So this is the question. Do we have life in God? True, abiding life. For if we claim life in God without true and abiding faith in Jesus Christ, then we're disingenuine. We're Christians in name only, who will, upon testing over a lifetime, will fall away from the faith or will be so entrenched in hypocrisy We could not recognize Christ if he came again and faced us in the flesh. We must not convince ourselves that we are experiencing this life. And this is the reason why John uses a unique word in the Greek, a word he'll use throughout the gospel. There's three words for life in the Greek. The first is bios. That's where we get our word biology. Biology. It's a temporal, breathing, earthly life. It's our form and function, the mechanism of our very flesh. The second word is souche. It's where we get our word psychology. It's the unique personality of a person, it's our literal soul. We possess both of these elements when we're born. We possess a body, we possess a moving, creative being, and we possess a soul. But John doesn't use either of these words. The word he uses is zo. This word is an abiding life with God. It's life originating in God. It's life that only God possesses. This cannot be given by man. This cannot be given by birth. This cannot be given by any sacrament. This is something that belongs solely to God and can be administered only by God. This is the new birth of a Christian. This is not coming to an intellectual understanding of who God is, no. This is full submission to the Lord Jesus Christ and God himself working in a man's heart. He transforms our hearts. He provides the new life. This is the Christian hope. This is how we live according to the teachings of God in a fallen and broken world. But before we continue, we have to look at John's negative implications. This verse is full of hope. In reading the Gospel of John, we will come to not only believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but by God's power, by His Holy Spirit electing and calling us, we will be born again into the new life that only God can offer. But the negative implications of this verse... Cannot be overlooked for their foreboding, a warning to those apart from Jesus Christ. For what John is suggesting is that apart from belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, apart from submission to Jesus Christ as Messiah, as Savior, as Redeemer, and Lord, we are existing in abiding death. Not mere physical death, not soul death but abiding forever, eternal death. Not in the future, but currently. We're born in iniquity and sin, David says, and this is what this verse confirms. This sin consumes our lives. It affects every aspect of our thinking and our action. And apart from life in God, apart from a new birth that goes according to not our will, but the will of God, we will continue in this stream of abiding death. We will continue floating down this stream until we are poured out into the fires of hell. And so these are the two sides of the coin. On one side, life, eternal abiding life with God, which begins now, which begins upon acceptance and turning to Christ. We must only turn to Christ and let Him work the miraculous work that He has promised. But apart from turning to Christ, apart from not just acknowledging him, but submitting to him as Lord, as God, as the Son of God, we experience abiding death, forever abiding death. We are in the hands of Satan. We are controlled by the prince of this world, the prince of the air. And apart from a life in Jesus Christ, apart from a life in God, we will be grasping and never come to anything substantial in our lives we will be searching for purpose we will be searching for life we will be searching for peace but this can only be found in the life of god which we know is paved by jesus christ jesus says he is the truth he is the only way eternal life is this he says you know god and you know me so i pray this week that we may know god and we may know jesus christ his only begotten Son, the Word made flesh. Thank you for joining us for our beginning of the study of the Gospel of John as we continue to go verse by verse and look at the selection of signs that John made and how they can bring us to an understanding that he is the Son of God, Redeemer, Savior, Messiah, and how we, by God's grace and mercy, can participate in the life that he offers us for our benefit, and for the glory of God. Thank you for joining us for the first session of The Herald. You can also listen to this on our website at brendanflanagan.com.